You're listening to the Clifford Chance Smarts Podcast with me, Saj Jetta, author of The Smarts, founder of award-winning talent consultancy, The Smarty Train, and an economist who is obsessed with working smart. I love to find brilliant people, follow them around, and share their secrets, which is why I jumped to the chance to do this podcast that you're listening to right now. In this series, and in each episode, I get to speak to an amazing person at leading global law firm Clifford Chance, find out what makes them tick, and share with you some hacks for how you can get ahead in your own career. This time, I had a really great chat with Head of Recruitment, Laura Yates. Laura is a dear friend, a wise one, and a former board director of the Institute of Student Employers. So let's go. Here's Laura. I've been doing this job for 13 years at Clifford Chance. Before that, I worked at an investment bank. I'm not entirely sure the things that we look for in those target recruits are that much different, either in the different industries or over that period of time. I think you want people to have... Um, that grit, that determination, that drive, that motivation, that hunger for your particular industry, your firm, the role. Yeah. Um, and then you you want people to be, and this sounds far too simplistic, but nice human beings, individuals that are the type of individuals that you want to spend a lot of time with, who you want to sit in a room with, who you want to sit in a room with until perhaps if you're a lawyer, three o'clock in the morning working on a particular deal. So it's that level of drive and ambition, grit and resilience, determination, coupled with being the type of person that if you were stuck on a train and you were delayed by an hour, you would love having a conversation with. So if you're a client and you were stuck on a train with someone that worked at Clifford Chance, what would you imagine would be the things that would keep the conversation flowing if they were stuck together? What are some of the characteristics? There isn't. And that's what's so wonderful about this place. Everyone is really different. So the the types of things that would fill that hour would be vastly different. So then talking about clients, if you think back to the fact that you've probably been responsible for the recruitment of hundreds, if not thousands, of trainees joining this firm... If I was a trainee joining this year, what would be three of the things that you would advise me to know about to be able to do my job well? Three things. Three things that you would need to know about or behaviours you would need to show to do your job well. I think in no particular order, the first one, and I hear this time and time again from partners and supervisors of trainees, is the ability and the confidence to talk to people rather than rely on emails, to actually have the the confidence to go and initiate a conversation face-to-face, either about a work issue and perhaps sometimes acknowledging that you don't know the answer and you don't really understand perhaps the instruction, but you need to seek clarity and doing that face-to-face rather than email, or the ability to just have a conversation about generic chit-chat. And, and make those social bonds, those those um, bonds with the people that you're working with based upon stories um, and interactions that might not have anything to do with the work. I think having a level of curiosity about what's going on in the business, um, what's going on in the wider world, and bringing that to the work that you're doing for the particular client and asking questions and not being afraid to ask questions or to look stupid to, to ask questions, to make connections between what is going on in the wider world and this particular piece of work that you've been asked to do. And then thirdly, I wonder if there's something here about being creative. And I think sometimes people will think that you're coming into the legal profession to apply 
your rigid understanding of the law to clients' problems. And very often, the ability to think creatively and differently around a problem is actually what will make our advice unique and will make the clients want to come back and work with that particular individual in that team. And how do you think as trainee lawyers who are trained with a technical skill could start to improve their creative skills to be able to make these connections and to start to forge into areas that they may not necessarily have thought were part of their job description as being a lawyer? Do you know what? I reckon a lot of people already have those skills. They just don't think to apply them in this setting. And I think if you get the individual to look back at what they've done prior to being a trainee lawyer here, and that might be where they've worked as a Saturday job at university, what they've perhaps done um, in um, summer holidays, uh, what they might have done as part of societies or team projects at university. They've actually got that level of creativity, but for some reason, sometimes they don't apply that to the environment or the task in hand, whether they be at an assessment day trying to secure the training contract or in their training contract yeah. Maybe it's a relevance thing. I don't know if there's something about not seeing, not understanding the relevance of that past experience and that creative thinking within the context of a legal environment. I don't know. And with the diversity of the group that you're recruiting and bringing to Clifford Chance, what do you as a team put in place to ensure that people are learning from each other and, and starting to fire up those creative synapses in their brain? Well, I think one, you've got to make sure there's an environment that really encourages that prior experience and tries to encourage people to share that experience and show that you value that experience and it's important. So it's not a lost experience that's compartmentalised before joining the profession. But then you have to have an environment that is non-judgmental, that seeks others' opinions it's an old apprentice model if you think about how you you train as a lawyer and that ability to mentor and coach. But also I think what's unique about our environment is that the cohort of peer support that comes from the trainee cohort themselves and the fact that they've been together during the seven month LPC and that peer support is really important. And then we seek to develop that through a whole host of initiatives like our three-day award-winning induction, like our trainee committee, where we really seek to give those trainees responsibility. So earlier you talked about creativity being a skill that's a hot one potentially at the firm right now. We're hearing the word storytelling a lot at the moment in the world of work. What would be your advice to newly entering trainees around storytelling in the context of their traineeship here at Clifford Chance? I wonder if it starts before the traineeship, to be completely frank, because if I think of the number of applications we get for training contracts, vacation schemes, our first year schemes, we're really lucky. We're in a privileged position where we get loads of applications each year and Unfortunately, that means we have to reject a large number. And very often, it's the ability to tell a convincing story that will put applications at the top of the pile. It's the ability to be able to articulate what you've done. And I think most importantly, put an element of personality into that particular experience that absolutely makes the difference. And is there an example of a good story that you've heard recently with an applicant to Clifford Chance? 
There is one particular example that our team have used for about the last year, which is all stuck in our memory. We've actually got a picture of this particular individual um, in a um, costume that sub- summarises her experience, but it's one that's really sticky and everyone remembers. So there's a girl who is a future trainee who had um, basically worked at a uh, grotto, a Father Christmas Christmas grotto as one of the chief elves. Um, and she had taken this role incredibly seriously and really thought how she could um, make the whole grotto experience more efficient um, and more enjoyable for the customers. And she put into place these series of changes um, and had illustrated that with these photos. And the story was so inspirational around testimonials from children and their parents that had come back through and said this was the most magical experience. And actually the hard metrics behind how many customers she had put through and how many hard sales of the photos at the end of the grotto that she'd sold. And it was a brilliant example that had a load of humour in it and was really sticky. Wow. And that person got a job here. She got a job. She absolutely, yeah, she's the grotto girl. (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. And I love stories. What a great example of the power of great storytelling. It's a hack that can help you no matter what you're doing. Did you know that when you're telling a story in a large group, brainwaves actually start to converge when everybody hears the same story? One thing that is really clear though about Laura is that she's an innovator and likes to push boundaries. I wanted to know how she has the confidence to do things. Let's listen in again. And have you gone through periods in your career where you found things difficult and had to call things out for yourself? Yeah, all the time. And I think for me, and and maybe this is because I've been in the same organisation that I feel very comfortable in for the last 13 years. um, I think I'm able to now look back and say, there are significant things that I didn't get right first time, that I'd invested a huge amount of time and effort and emotional investment into, and they didn't go right. And I was probably really hard on myself if I think back 10 years ago to the person I was doing the role I was then on those periods where things didn't go quite right. And what was your response to things not going quite right then? My initial reaction would always be to blame myself. I must have done something wrong. Uh, There must have been something that I did wrong that I didn't spot, that I could have done better, that I should have known about before it happened. And I, I think that, looking back now, was absolutely the wrong advice to give to myself because I couldn't have known those things were going to happen. And actually having those things happen and having those things go wrong meant that I put blame on myself, but it's almost accountability. And that accountability would then turn itself into going, that's never going to happen again. I am never going to make that mistake again. And I'm going to put into place measures to ensure that next time I'm doing a similar project, I've done X, Y, and Z. And that particular thing won't occur again. And so today, what's a more charitable way of you dealing with these sorts of issues then? How do you respond today? Stuff happens. Stuff happens. If it happens more than once... I'm, I, I might go a little bit crazy about it, but it, if, if things happen, they're not the end of the world. And I think not being judgmental on yourself and, and I, what I've personally learned from looking after a team for the last 10 years is trying, they might not agree with this, but trying not to be hard on the team. And there's a difficult balance to be made between appearing to judge and blame 
and trying to investigate the problem so you can find accountability and put into place safety measures to ensure that doesn't happen again. And I still probably haven't got that right. That's the path you need to navigate. And do you feel that that pervades into the culture of trainee that you're trying to recruit here? Yeah, it has to, because you want you want people who aren't afraid to try new things because they are not afraid to fail but they're not of the mindset to want to fail so they're not they're people who just want to to try and push boundaries and do things differently but will be able to reflect and adjust in future performance for any mistakes that have happened before wow so there you have it Laura isn't afraid to fail and she has worked really hard to create an environment around her where others can feel the same. It's such an important part of growth, vulnerability. Thank you to Laura for speaking with me and thank you to you for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're interested in hearing some more big little hacks to take you a long way at work, there are four other episodes of this podcast with other great Clifford Chance guests. Until next time, I've been your host, Sad Shetter, and this has been The Smarts at Clifford Chance.